Minding your own business, helping businesses overcome problems and improve performance with Graham Knight and Richard Forkan. So we're already at, at podcast number seven. We're, old, we're old hands now, Graham. And this, yep. this one is um, delighting your customers, which I, I think sounds a bit throwaway, doesn't it? Because everyone says, oh, you've got to delight your customers. But I think in in the, the, the modern commercial world, you really have got to go some now, haven't you, to stand out from the crowd because it's so competitive out there, isn't it? It, it is. And, and you know, people talk about USPs and uh, the sort of uniqueness of everybody's propositions probably not like it used to be so it's how do you stand out from the crowd i suppose and um and just keeping your customers happy just doesn't sound good enough it's it's a bit underwhelming so it is so you have to sort of try and put it in a way which sounds a bit cheesy but if your customers are really really happy then a they're going to stick with you so that's good for retention Uh, and b they'll probably sing your praises for testimonials and case studies and and other ways in which you can use that to leverage new customers. I think the way to do it is um, engage with them as well, isn't it? It's, it's very easy in a lot of businesses to sort of, you know, throw the product out there and or the service out there and wait to see what the customer does. And you'll get probably more negative than positive because the people with a positive experience tend to keep quiet about it. And the ones with negatives will come and tell you. But yeah. it's important to get on the front foot, isn't it? Engage with as many customers as possible, get feedback, get a critique of what it, what you're doing. And on using that, you can build on your on your proposition and, and really understand what hits home and what doesn't. But, but also customer acquisition. I mean, we talked in sales about having your sort of top customers, which you could tier. So there's quite a lot the, the top customers can tell you. Obviously, there's a sort of cross-selling opportunity, which we covered last time. But also, it's just to know why they keep buying from you, which you can also then use in your marketing. Because obviously, if if they see this particular strength of yours or that particular service, then you can keep selling that because you know that's what most people are retaining you for. So it, it's important to use that tiering to A, meet the people who at the top of the of the, um, the revenue line, and but also the ones who are your most problematic customers. Because although I never used to enjoy going to meet those, but at least when you came away from those meetings, you often picked up a lot of points which you weren't aware of from the other end of the telescope. So uh, people being frank about what was good and what was bad, often you didn't really want to hear it. But but it, if you took it away and built on what they were being told, then, then you could definitely develop the service line around some of those comments for example i think it's always um, always a good thing as well to go and see somebody who's not happy with you because you've got a really good opportunity to convert somebody who might be somebody who's a detractor into somebody who's more positive about your business and actually you can sometimes come away with a champion if you go and see somebody and say look hands up we've made a bit of a mess of this but i really want to help put that right somebody will go and sing your praises for, for forevermore about how well they were treated when something didn't go well and you know they respect you for it i mean i think they realize you're in a difficult position you're going there with a bit of your tail between your legs maybe but um but ultimately you did have the courage to go and stare them in the face and have the meeting and uh, understand how things could be improved and they at least respect you for that you mentioned um case studies there so you know, we, we've we've already done one of these podcasts on marketing and use of social media, but content I've always found as well. If you've got real content from a real client with a real experience and a real journey, 
that customer experience, if you like, if you can document that, put that out on social media, is much better than your marketing or your yeah. your pitch. Yeah, it's, it's a real-life example, isn't it? So rather than contrived ways in which you think your service is um, exceeding other people's, when you've got a real-life example, often it's what problem you solved. You I mean, somebody will say, well, we used to be like this, now through this we're at a different place. Because that's obviously a journey that other people could share. So um, it's better to have real examples than it is to have, you know, sort of made up stories which help to illustrate what you do, but not quite in the same way as somebody who's experienced that firsthand. I think um, there's there's a lot to be learned from competitors as well, isn't there? So whatever market you're in with, with the business you're running, if you look around you at who you're competing against and see what they do well, see what customers are saying about them, you can pick up some good pointers on what works and what doesn't. So you know, I deal with a lot of startup type businesses and it's Rather than reinventing the wheel, you can you can see what's going on around you, and even you know what what doesn't work, what does work. Yeah, mystery shopping's quite quite a, yeah. an interesting thing to engage with, isn't it? Because if you're starting a business selling whatever it is into a market, and you go and visit your competitors as a mystery shopper, you can get lots of information very quickly about what's good and bad, and what you could do to penetrate that market quickly. Yeah, sure. Uh, but I mean, getting it right is important, but it's getting it right every time that's most important. So um, things like ISO 9001 accreditation, for example, which is all about process and formalising things so that the fact that you deliver this every time mean, means it's more consistent, more reliable. Um, so people, they want that level of service, the best level of service every time once they've got used to what that means. So sometimes the, these things can can make it more um, repeatable, I suppose. Uh, and sometimes that makes it more scalable too because if things are built on consistent processes, then um, over, over time you can build on that to hit you know, higher volumes or higher numbers or whatever. Um, what's your view on um, customer feedback? So you know, like, like me, you're probably bolted into lots of um, retail businesses that are constantly pinging emails to you or Amazon do it quite a lot what did you think of this purchase and what did you think of this experience and you, you know half the time I'll delete them but you know they're, they're an, an interesting tool if you can get them to stick but they, it's difficult to get a decent amount of response isn't it from yeah customers? I mean I think everything's been tried and tested so many times people are just tired of it all really because if you fit in a I don't know a ticket on a support site. Immediately, people want to phone you back. If you if you contact, uh, I don't know your house insurance. Immediately, somebody wants to call you back. How did it go and everything? And you get a bit weary with it all at the end of the day. But having said that, you know the customers are basically providing you with an income. And if you make no attempt at all to to find out from them how well they feel, so sometimes we used to do things like annual customer surveys, but now people have stopped replying to those, so the percentage return on those is very small. Um, a bit like opens on eShots, for example. I've always found it useful to have um, socials with clients. You know, maybe maybe a lunch now and again, or depending on the type of business you're in. You know, just just to go and pick a, a customer's brain on on how they see the market, how they see the future, what what they're buying and when they're buying it, and who they're buying it from, yeah. and and just picking up, you know, but, but sales and business development as a 
a, a lot of different definitions depending on what market you're in. But a lot of it's about market research, isn't it? And working out what does my customer want today and then what are they going to want tomorrow and what's changing in their businesses that I can help them with? How do I need to change what I'm doing to deliver what will help them to do whatever they're doing? Yeah. It's about engagement, isn't it? If I, if I had to summarise one thing from you know a delighting your customer conversation, it would be, engage with your customers the good the bad and the ugly and and listen to what they've got to say and act on on what feedback you get from them because that'll help you build your proposition it's it, it's how you do that i mean if, if you run a a relatively small consultancy business then then the number of customers you've got probably is not more than 20 30 so with that sort of number you could say well i'll go and visit two a month or one a month and you again you tier them and think well i'll I'll visit the top 12, but maybe not the second 12. So you do one a month. But of course, if you've got a high transactional business where where the number of clients is too big to do that, you have to resort to other means. Maybe you top tier the ones that you do go and visit. You have a second approach for the tier two and a different approach for tier three. And the quality will vary. Obviously, the face-to-face ones will give you much better feedback than the tier three ones, which is just asking people to fill in a a sort of survey which um, only a small percentage of people will do. There is that old trick, isn't there, of over-delivering. So, you know, that, that term, un- undersell, over-deliver. So, so don't make promises that you're going to fall just short of. Try and make a promise that you'll fall just the other side of. And then yeah. people are, are, are delighted, in inverted commas, because they've got a little bit more than they thought they were going to get. But that, that's a, 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 a very thin line to walk, isn't it, to be able to achieve that. But if, I, you know, I, I'm trying to think of an example myself, but, you know, where I get something that I didn't think I was due, I do come away with a smile on my face thinking, wow, I didn't realise they were going to, you know, maybe when you take your car for a service and they wash it and clean it for you and then, you know, they, they've polished the inside or whatever, you think, well, that, they didn't need to do that. Yeah. And that's that's left me thinking, wow, what a great service. So I think it's important if you can over-deliver wherever you can, make the customer feel they've got something that perhaps they weren't due. That really does leave you with a nice feeling. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think for some reason it seems to be human nature that when you make a promise to commit something, you, you, you give yourself an unnecessarily difficult deadline, which probably you didn't need to meet. And so you put yourself under pressure unnecessarily. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, it's an easy trick, but but you try you should try and push your deadline as far in the future as possible. Now, of course, if you get a lot of pushback from that, then you can always bring it back again. But start with a week's time and then bring it in rather than tomorrow, and then find that you've given yourself almost an impossible task, which which you can only fail against. Yeah, managing expectations huge, isn't it? It, it, I, it I, is. Yeah, I've, absolutely. I've I've seen lots of examples where people of thinking they're doing the right thing, thing promised yeah. that yeah i'll do that by five o'clock and then they don't they do it by tomorrow morning which is actually quite an achievement <laughs> but because the customer is expecting it by five o'clock they think yeah. they feel let down well i went to a customer experience um presentation once and the lady there was saying that you know don't um delight your customers because if, if you deliver a miracle for the customer they <laughs> expect, next it, time. <laughs> expect it every time right. and although at the time i thought well, that's a bit strange but i, I actually think she's right i mean yeah. you know there is there's an element of that as always in terms of expectation management but um um i, I can think of every month with the clients that i attend I can think of examples where, where people are doing exactly that, where they're making promises that they shouldn't have made and didn't need to make. Yep. And people have said, well, actually, I didn't need it as quickly as that, but if you can do it by then, that's, that's fine. But then that puts a whole organisation under 
unnecessary pressure. That, that's uh, that's a typical uh, situation in a, a larger company where you've got a sales team and a delivery team, and the sales team will just sometimes make any promise they need to to get the sale over yeah. the, over the line, yeah. and then throw it over their shoulder to the delivery guys and go, "Yeah, yeah I'm well, sorry, now it's your problem. <laughs> now it's your problem. Yeah. Disappear over the over the, over the horizon." Yeah, it's, it's a difficult line to draw, isn't it? But yeah, I definitely agree with you. You you, you need to manage expectation well within your ability to deliver, deliver and then deliver just in front of that expectation to leave your client feeling, yeah. wow, they said they'd do it by X and they've done it a little bit quicker than that, exactly, which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, promise it for Monday, deliver it Friday, people are very happy. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, but if you promise it Monday, Friday and deliver it Monday, then yeah. you're likely to, you know, if you promise it for Friday, then you've missed the deadline. So so, so what's your view on on um, innovation in products and services then? So if if, if you're delivering a standardized product or service and there's a different way of doing it, a better way of doing it. And you surprise your customer with that as a, whilst you're sort of beta testing it, you know, you're, you're, I suppose the question is how, how do you, how do you feed something new into a customer? At what point do you get it to them? And where do you try it out on them? Do you let a customer know you're trying something new out on them that could be better do you invite them in to a yeah, trial? Could. You that could. would be a good way to get closer to a customer to ask them to help you out with the trial. Yeah, sure. I mean, again, that's coming down to meeting people and say, yeah. well, we'll do it slightly differently and, yeah. and start that with them. An old, old trick I've used in the past is, is feedback. So instead of going to a customer and going, I want to sell you this instead of that, you go to a customer and say, I'd like your feedback on something we're considering. Would you mind helping us out with it? The yeah. customer will give you a critique of whatever it is you've got, be it a new product or a service or whatever. And at the same time, they are assessing it and you're getting feedback on whether they would actually buy it. But that's, that's that's a good tool to use. Or maybe even a group. You can get customers that have a good opinion of you to all meet each other. You can build up a trust group of people that will talk to each other about issues. Well, I mean, in innovation, I suppose, is, a, is about whether you can deliver the service again with more repeatability. Because normally with innovation becomes automation. Yeah. So the more that you can automate and take away from manual delivery, the more likely that's that's not going to fail during yeah. during the sort of delivery yeah. chain. So So trying to get to a point where... You deliver things quickly, efficiently, with less human intervention, makes it more certain that you're going to achieve those things. And of course, we can all think of things like Amazon, where, where the supply chain is probably one of the, the best. You can click on it today and it's delivered to your house tomorrow and it works every time. People almost rely on it now. Well, that, that's clearly because they've, they've changed the business over time where that's, that's clearly automated. Everything works um, so that you end up not, not getting disappointed. Yeah. So uh, you have to admire them for that. So if if we had to summarise delighting your customers then, the points to make would be you've, you've really got to be exceptional in the market you're in to lead from the front. You know, you've, you've got to be... Got, I know one of the things you like saying is good enough's not good enough. But you, you've, you've got to really go the extra mile these days, haven't you? Yeah, you do. And, and you know, that, that phrase, good enough, sums it up very well because... Um, Quite often, if you're talking to somebody and a client and you say, well, did you get back to so-and-so with something? You say, well, it wasn't, wasn't amazing, but it was good enough. And, and if you start to let your standards drop to just doing enough, then you'll certainly start to be overtaken by the competition because somebody else will come along that will wow the customer with 
something and and then suddenly they'll they'll be switching their business to to that business it's always good to keep in mind isn't it that whatever you're doing for a living however successful it is there's always going to be the next generation behind you coming up looking at what you're doing thinking how could i do that a bit better or a bit cheaper or a bit faster it's a mindset thing i think is not to be complacent and never to sit back and think that nothing can be improved over what it is today so you have to keep looking at how it's done how can that be improved? How you can take the cost out of it? How you can take processes out of it? All of which makes it more repeatable so that every time the customer is impressed by what you've done. I think we might have covered this before in another podcast, but I think we've talked about Apple, haven't we, with their board meetings. They must sit there with the thinking, where's the new Apple? Scan the market for yeah. me every every minute of every day because some buggers out there with the next apple that's going to come and eat my phone up and and we're going to be dead in the water. Well, potentially, but um, but you know, I haven't done a bad job of staying pretty well up there with the best for a number of years now. Absolutely. Uh, certainly, every experience I've had in an Apple store has been a positive experience. So uh, so they must train their people really well in terms of customer service and customer interaction. That's uh, that's almost deliberate there, I think, Grant, because our next podcast is all about people, isn't it? People, yeah. Which, which is podcast number eight, which we'll be following on with this one. Yeah. To get all the episodes of Minding Your Own Business automatically on your favourite podcast app, just click follow or subscribe.